0: Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You are listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. It's a pleasure to uh, welcome to the show Laura Amato, and she is here to talk about Her film, The Wishing Tree, it's a feature and also stars Laura Adamo and it is her directorial debut as well. So it's a pleasure to have her here to talk about the film, which uh, is going to be on all uh, video on demand coming up very soon. So we're going to be talking about that so you can check it out as well. So, uh, Laura, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, I appreciate you being here. It's great to have you here. Uh, this, uh, as I mentioned, your feature film directorial debut. Um, how was that, stepping into
1: that role for you? It was um, it, it was overwhelming. Actually, I wasn't intended to direct. Mm. Uh, when we set out on this journey, I had written the film mm-hmm. and I was going to star in it. Yeah. Um, but directing, we had a director on board. He came from the indie um documentary music world, actually. And this would have been his first oh, yeah. sort of journey into scripted. Um, and then when we just started, when we started pre-production, we started casting, he <clears throat> said, you know, I want to meet for coffee one morning and we met. And he said, I really think this is your film, and I think you. I think you need to step into your power, and I think I think you need to direct it. And I said, "Well, I've never directed anything before," and he said, "Well, you don't realize you've actually been doing the role of a director, and I think people are going to be looking to you on set, just organically, given the nature of writing it and and starring in it." And it was sort of odd. I had a moment of panic, and then that quickly subsided, and I thought, "Huh, I feel like." intuitively, maybe he's right. That's mm. the right thing to do. So mm. then it became a conversation with my producer and my executive producer, <clears throat> because really without their support, there's no way I would have, I would have, I would have done it. Mm. Um, it was kind of crazy. <laughs> and they were both in support of it. And so that's how I ended up directing it. But it was, uh, it ended up being probably the most gratifying creative experience of my life. So I'm I'm super mm. grateful for for the way it all worked out.
0: All right. So you've written it, you directed it and, uh, and starred in it as well. I, I thought that was really interesting that he came to you and said that.
1: He's a wonderful guy. Yeah. I'm just going to say that. He, you know, I, 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 it didn't come from a place of um, sort of bailing. I'm out of here. Like yeah. I think he intuitively, he's a pretty intuitive guy. And yeah. I think coming from the world of documentary, it's, it's, it's really different, right? You right. make your film in the editing room and yeah. He had been with me on the script development journey, you know, for Mm. the couple of years we were on that. Mm -hmm. And I think he just really wanted to encourage that for me. Um, I never would have, I never would have stepped up and even suggested that it was never even a possibility in my mind. So I'm actually truly grateful to him for doing that.
0: It's kind of interesting that this film, because I understand this is partly a page out of your own story, um, mm-hmm. and so this wishing tree is, and this element that you uh, get thrown into that role, even though you hadn't thought of it, uh, seems like it somehow fits with this whole story.
1: I think so, <laughs> and and I'll say as a it was a it was a real gift as an actor to mm. be directing as well, and mm. what I mean by that is. Um, as an actor, you know your instincts are your best friend, right. and what we do sometimes on set is, uh, when we have time to second guess them, it's sort of the kiss of death. And because right. I did not have, I mean, it was a very emotionally demanding role yeah. for me. Yeah, um, I literally did not have the time to second guess my instincts. All I had, I didn't have experience right. as a director to back yeah. me up. All yeah. I had was my, my intuition and my gut feeling, and so that's sort of what I allowed to guide me in the process. Um, I had a wonderful cast and crew, an amazing DP um, without whom, you know, I couldn't have done it. But as an actor, I didn't have time to question myself. So I I sort of made a choice from from the first day on set that every time I was on set and Mm -hmm. I was in the actor role that I was going to give it 110% and Fully lean into the vulnerability that I needed to allow this character to come through me. And if there was any other time, I wanted to give it to the guys because um, not that they needed it, but I I wanted them to have that option.
0: Something else seems to be coming to me from this, in terms of the the story behind what you're doing, and the fact that you were directing uh, your you know this this feature film, your debut, doing so, uh, and going and and f- trying to find the wishing tree in the film. <laughs> uh, so you were outside. You had some great, wonderful uh, outdoor settings. You, you know, filmed a lot out, outdoors, of course, and. It, somehow that feels like that that was uh that was a way for you to uh somehow fit that role in here more easily somehow is that making any sense to you
1: um probably because it was very untraditional in terms Mm. of a set we were deep woods uh we had to make a decision to shoot with only natural light Mm. um because we we you know there was only so much we could cart out into right. the middle of these hiking trails yeah. um and and so it was it was unlike any other set i'd been on yeah. as an actor because and and also because you know low budget low budget excuse me true indie film you're you're shooting through all the elements we had yes. rain we, had, right. we even had hail right. uh we had you know, beautiful sunshine, we had torrential rain, we had um, thunderstorms, lightning storms, and we shot through everything. So we didn't have the luxury of um, being in a studio. And actually sure. we did, we shot one week mm. in Toronto mm-hmm. uh, at, on locations, but indoor. And by the time we got to that, I'd already had the three weeks in right. the wilderness, yeah. which was extraordinarily challenging. Yeah. So by the time I got to like sort of the regular set that I was used to yeah. as an actor, yes. um, it It became very easy. I was like, oh, I can actually really direct. Now I can actually really explore with this because the elements are contained and we're not having to deal with all these other things that are going on. Um, And so that was really fun. By the time we got to Toronto, it was I was like, I'm I'm ready for this now to feel like more of a normal filming experience. But I mean, the other thing about shooting in the woods is we had. We had someone at the Collingwood general hospital every week. I think mm. we had two broken feet. I broke wow, my hand. Jeez. I say three of wow. shooting <laughs> and yeah, first thing in the morning shot through the day, went to the hospital the next mm. afternoon, had to go to Toronto to see an orthopedic surgeon. Cause it was a really bad break. My executive producer and um, <clears throat> co-writer, Dominic Gall, drove me down to the city. We had to cancel a day of shooting, which is mm. a big deal for independent film. Right. Um, While I had that appointment. He was frantically rewriting. I said, you know, we got to write this in. What are we going to do? We have to, we have to deal with this. Luckily we were shooting, um, on the trails we were shooting chronologically. Mm -hmm. So we, we, when when we got to Toronto, it was, you know, it wasn't, but Mm -hmm. that was, we could deal with it easier because we were in a contained environment. So, we had that to deal with. And then we had, you know, I had the poor cast guy at the hospital had to recast it uh, four times to get a low enough profile. Cause I was like, we have to deal with this Mm. with props. We can't, I'm not going to get a cast in the middle of the wilderness. So we ended up wrapping it with a t-shirt and we wrote this extra scene. And I think it actually adds to the film. And, Mm. and as a director, like day three, it also added to that, that, Thing that I was talking about, where it's like you don't have time to question anything. Now I've got this broken hand. We are, you know, we're dealing with all this. Right. It's just no time. Um, yeah. So that was another interesting thing about about shooting out outdoors. Like a like a, a, a one of those things that you're like, oh my god, this is the worst thing ever, and then it actually ends up being a benefit, right? You know, I think good good symbol good yes. for life, really. Yes. Sometimes,
0: what do you think the element of of natural lighting adds to to films by not you know having having lighting in them, but also I guess the other thing is cameras these days are so amazing, right? Mm -hmm. They have such low light capacity; they're they're fabulous.
1: They're amazing, and I had an incredible DP who uh, he's Canadian, but he lives in Barcelona, and he Mm -hmm. flew in you know two weeks early so that we could literally sit. I mean, he became like my second husband. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It was like we sat for two weeks so that. He could get inside my brain and we storyboarded every single shot of the film, um, which we then kind of threw out the window when we got onto set because you have to allow for happy accidents and I think that's where the magic is. But right. there were certain shots that I knew I wanted mm-hmm. and and I also trusted him because we got to spend that time together and he was very gracious with his time um, to make me feel supported that when I was the actor, he knew exactly what needed to be executed and he was just very good at capturing um the beauty and and we also we we shot with two cameras Uh, my producer suggested that early on who actually is a cinematographer as well uh, that's his background and Mm -hmm. i think that was a really brilliant brilliant suggestion for him um because it just made us like every every take we did we had two yeah we had two essentially and our second camera operator was is wonderful and he is actually um his background is still photography. So he really knew how to set up shots in a very unique way, which mm-hmm. I think really added to the film.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I'm glad you mentioned the, the second camera. Uh, I was going to ask you if it was how, you know, if you used more than one, because there were some really tricky uh, angles and things that you guys got once you were into the, mm-hmm. the, into the rocky areas and, and, you know, there's some pretty tight shots that look like.
1: Yeah, very, very, um, you know, I think one of the benefits of shooting with natural light and the fact that we didn't we didn't have a choice, right? Mm, we we yeah. we had to go that way. It 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 was in a way more unencumbering. It was it was freer because you weren't waiting for for the lighting, which is often what you're doing mm, on set, right? right? Um, you just you just went and you found the best angle, and you know when you're out there, you literally turn the camera one eighth and you, you it's a completely different shot so mm, mm. that kind of magic where yeah. you could move more i i feel like we had a lot more fluidity because we didn't have um anything encumbering us like lights and stands and you know staying yeah. on this side of this we we just we 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 had a lot of freedom yeah which I was kind of perfect for the film we were shooting i wanted the camera to almost be like um part of the film in a way yeah. uh, almost like a voyeur like a, oh, yeah. another character right. uh, just you're know, witnessing what was going on with these people
0: mm, uh, I, I guess uh, the, the one sort of section of the film that i wasn't expecting i guess to at least in terms of how it eventually uh, ended up happening um was you know around the fire that is sexually oriented and and that happens there uh lighting is great it looks fabulous Uh, the fire was was a a great help i guess in that sense
1: yeah that we actually shot um close to a property and we did have access to one light Mm -hmm. (laughs) we had one light for that shot okay um And we had the fire. So I think it it worked out really well. And it was shot. um, We sort of broke the access for that shot just Mm. to add to the confusion of Mm. what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, it was an unexpected scene. It was a very important scene. It was very difficult. Truthfully, that scene made it very difficult to cast the Caleb character. Right. His actors just couldn't sort of wrap their head around Mm. it. Mm. Um, And also in all fairness, I'm, you know, I'm an actor, I'm going to just say you're, you're putting your trust in someone who has not directed before. So that's a big ask. Sure. So that took time. And we, you know, we had, we had lots of, we, it, it, it. Not that we didn't have options. We had lots of options, but it didn't feel right. And I remember having this discussion mm. with Patch, my producer, and he said, but we've got, you know, this actor is great. He's amazing. I've worked with him. Mm. And, and I understand and I know his work and he is fabulous. But he said, what are you looking for? And I said, I don't know. Like, I know it. I'm going to know it when I feel it. Mm. Like, that was, all, that's, and it right. was kind of the way I approached shooting the film. It's like right. my, my goal was that the, the emotional content was always the most important. Mm -hmm. not the prettiest shot the best framed shot i always led with even when we were uh, cutting the film with my editor Mm -hmm. um we always led with what's the what's the realest rawest most emotional you know appropriate moment and take and that's what we we guided everything with really Mm -hmm. um So for Caleb, it was, yeah, I just, I was like, I'll know it when I feel it. You know, I'm going to feel it. I know, (laughs) I know. And so we ended up finding the perfect actor. He flew in from LA and it was great. And he was, he was really unafraid and kind of just a great leader in particular with that scene. Mm. I had done a sex scene like that before. So for me, it was, it was uh, another very new experience. Um, So it was great to be able to have someone who was unafraid and, and, and willing to really push the, the boundaries and cause mm. that's, that's the best thing you could ask for.
0: Sure. Right.
1: Just having that trust. And we shot that actually, that was the last scene we shot
0: hmm.
1: in the woods. Cause right. I want, and that was intentional because and they kept trying to, my first ADM producer kept trying to switch it on me. And I said, no, I really held true to that. Cause I was like, I, we have to, the three of us really have to build an enormous amount of trust. Yeah. And, and yeah. um, just trust, yeah. right? And yeah. and that takes time. Sure. So there's no way we're shooting. I want that to be like the last thing that we're, it sort of adds energy to the shoot because you know it's coming and you know you know, you know have to do this and be extremely vulnerable. Yeah. But by the time we got there, we had developed a really wonderful relationship, the three of us, that we just trusted each other. We talked, we had three weeks to really talk about it. Mm. Um, everything that could possibly happen and that was just really helpful that allowed us to just sort of dive in and, and really go for it and do what we needed to do.
0: Right. Great. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, You're Mm -hmm. listening to element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. This is moment of truth. I'm your host, David Moses. My guest here on the show is Laura Adamo. She's a Toronto based actor. And also she is the star and, and this is her directorial debut for the wishing tree. That's going to be coming out on all uh, VOD platforms and uh, iTunes in December. So you can look for that to make sure you do look for it. So it's a pleasure to have her here on the show to talk about The Wishing Tree. And, uh, you know, as you were talking there and about that last scene, the other thing I couldn't help but think about because at the very beginning of the film when uh, when the two male characters are meeting up for the first time and heading out into the woods um, uh, Caleb says to the other guy says uh, you might want to roll those pants down because the bugs are going to chew you alive kind of thing and yeah. so <laughs> I yeah. couldn't help but think about what you guys were dealing with uh, in that last scene as well um, did you have an issue with uh, aside from all the rain and the, the broken bones and those kind of things were bugs an issue
1: um, bugs were an issue when we shot during the day and mm. actually planes like, so whenever mm. we had a clear day where right. we're like, Oh my God, this is a perfect day. Yeah. Like blue skies, whatever we would have like our sound person, right. poor guy, we would <laughs> always be having to stop for like little private planes. I was like, wow, who knew there was, right. private planes? But that's, that was our, our challenge there. Yeah. By the time we got to the night scene, that was actually the hottest day that we shot, which. Mm kind of was a gift because it was dry. It was hot and the heat and just the sweatiness kind of contributed to that. And the um, fire certainly kept bugs away that night. So that was, that was good. Mm
0: -hmm. Now I I see that uh, the wishing tree, it was an official selection at the uh, Tobango film festival and filmocracy fest. And that won the audience choice award. So congratulations uh, to you on that. How would you say that, that, doing shooting this feature film was different from working on some of the other the other projects that you've worked on.
1: Um this for me was again because it was deeply personal it's it's mm. certainly inspired by yes by true life experiences yep. it's not biographical by any means but yep. it is inspired by. Yep. Um it was very deeply personal to me and so it I knew that I mean, the scariest thing that I kind of had to put out of my mind, and this was the one thing I had to get over when my director said, you know, I think you should take the reins here is I was like, oh, my God, if this ends up being the worst film in the world, it's all on me. Mm. Like, it's it's eight, right? Right. If none of this works. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, we were blessed to get through our shooting, our production shooting. And um, we had almost got through picture lock. Like, we'd gotten through the bulk of our editing before the world went off a cliff and we went into lockdown. So I would say like the last 25% of the film was really hard to do because we were doing it remotely. Mm -hmm. And for me, um, I think for, I think this would be true for most filmmakers. It is a collaborative, it's, it's just, it's just a collaborative journey. So Mm -hmm. to, to be able to sit in the sound, you know, the sound studio with your sound guy and be able to hear those, the, 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 You know, the intricacies of like a little bit more of this a little as opposed to sending files back and forth. Right. That was very tricky. Right. Um, We then when we got, I think, out of lockdown, I did my final session with him. Um, So that was good. And then we sort of launched the film in a very weird, tricky world where Mm -hmm. film festivals weren't film festivals so I had to sort of mourn the loss of that experience as a filmmaker because nothing was happening in actual person in real life like Mm -hmm. there was it was all online and it's just a different experience right? right part of part of the experience is being able to be there and and meet fellow filmmakers face to face so Filmocracy did a great job of that. That um, John is—he was the founder of Slam Dance, and this is his. This was his second venture mm-hmm. into film festivals. Mm-hmm. He's wonderful, right. and they actually created it. They started creating this as a as a virtual platform pre-COVID, so that was the intention always for Filmocracy. So right. when we were approached by them, I thought, you know what, I wasn't so into it for other festivals, but I thought, you know what, this, this, this is interesting. Like this is actually their, this is their true business model. They're not pivoting to an online platform. So that was a really great experience. And I did get to meet some wonderful filmmakers, but it would have been nice, you know, still to meet people in person.
0: Right. Yeah, Uh, of course.
1: And then by the time Topanga came around, they were partially virtual, virtual and partially um, in person, but very limited, And, and then we just, you know, we were lucky enough to have multiple distribution offers. So we just sort of made the decision, you know what, it's time to put this into the world and and next film will maybe be more of a festival film. Although I think this film would have done well at festivals. It just wasn't meant to be
0: well, as you say, it's um, it's a story that is very close and personal to you. Um, there's a quote saying that it's taken a page from your own life. Um, and I'm just wondering, is the wishing tree part of that story? It is
1: real. Yes, yeah. it is real. It's It sits on a, a piece of property my husband and I own <laughs> up in the Cremor area. Oh, nice. And we actually have a family tradition and ritual where we hike to it every Thanksgiving and every New Year's Day and we write down wishes and then we have this little (laughs) ceremony where we burn them at the base of the tree and my son hugs the tree and you know we do all these things so it is it's this magical beautiful little tree that does exist.
0: And is that the tree we actually see in the film?
1: It is yeah.
0: Wow that's that's cool. Now, can you tell me a little bit more about this character you meet up with on your journey? Because the three of you.
1: Yes. Um, So Mira to me was, I mean, she's got a whole backstory that you don't really, it's not revealed in the film. It was never meant to be revealed in the film, but basically she sort of walks away from Western, the Western world. She, Mm. she's it, 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 everything sort of, she believed in, in that world failed her. Mm. And, in order for her to really heal and connect, she walks away from it all and essentially becomes a forest dweller, like mm-hmm. for real. Yeah. And for her, sort of the point of her was to be, I think this is true in life as well. I, I've certainly experienced this on my journey to have my son that humans were uncomfortable with deep emotion like big big wells of emotion that sort of overtake us like we're uncomfortable feeling them and we're certainly uncomfortable receiving them mm. We just want to make people feel better So mm. the idea of Mira was that she simply was able to provide this container for Julia's grief mm. and all that she was feeling and in order to in, in, in her ability to do that it really helped the healing process for Julia that she could get up and know that everything was going to be okay eventually and get on with her life. Because um, that's sort of what, when I was, I was going through my um, fertility journey to have my son, which mm. is where the, the pain in me, mm. where this film was born out of. Mm. That's like, now that I'm on the other other side of it, I, I was like, God, it, that, if there was one thing I could have had, it would have been someone to be able to hold that and it's really hard to do that mm. as a person because you you don't want to see the person you lo- you love in so much pain and you ju- and no one wants to feel it we want to live our way out of that uncomfortable feeling and mm. what i learned was you have to feel it all as horrible as it feels mm. it's like i say you have to go to the basement fully mm. Mm. and and then you can come up and out mm. and and leave it behind you without it sort of still having these tentacles in you, you know, these tentacles of grief and regret and all that kind of stuff. So I was interested in exploring that of, and I, and I just imagine that women who are going through similar journeys and there's so many, you know, I, I, I I hope it it sparks conversations because you feel like you're the only person on the planet, even though, you know, you're not, you feel like you are. Um, And that's, Too bad. I hope that that that's something we can, we can change and we can start conversations about.
0: Now that you look back on this film, it's done, it's out there and uh, seems to be, uh, you know, doing well. So how do you feel about it looking back on it now?
1: I feel my son is actually the little boy at the end oh, as nice. well. Nice, yeah. Um, he, he was my most stressful person mm. on set, hands <laughs> down. But of course. I feel, you know, because it has been again, this is one of those uh silver linings, I guess, of of managing COVID and everyone's had to manage it in their own ways and mm-hmm. had their, their ups and downs, certainly. Mm-hmm. But one of the silver linings I can pull from it for me is because the process the post process took so much longer than it than it would have um, if we were in normal times. Mm. That I'm sort of ready. Like I, it, it's like birthing another child. I'm like, you know what? Mm. This is deeply personal, and it's mm. some people are gonna love it, and some people are not. Mm. And I got to be okay with all of that, and I'm ready for it to be out in the world and and be received. And my hope is that it inspires hope. I, I really do because I think. I, I do believe at a darkness, out of darkness, there can be light and beautiful things can be born. And that was the intention of, of the film. And it was a deeply cathartic experience for me. But I'm sort of ready for this is the final chapter, I feel like. Like it was the writing, then the shooting, then the editing, and now putting it out into the world and just letting it be what it needs to be. And, and also creatively for me, it allows me to close that chapter and really move on to the next thing
0: nicely said we'll have to leave it there uh, Laura thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show and talk to us about The Wishing Tree and congratulations to you on this and uh, all the best in the future and uh, let's get those people out there as I said uh, this film is going to be coming out on all video uh, uh, platforms and it's uh, going to be launching on December 7th and uh, so make sure to check it out The Wishing Tree this is the uh, feature film dictatorial deblu- debut for Laura Adamo and she uh, she wrote it, she uh, directed it, and she stars in it. So make sure to check that out. It's been a pleasure to have her on the show talking about it this. Laura, thank you once again.
1: Pleasure being here. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Take care and all the best. You too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that is Laura Adamo. This is her feature film directorial debut of The Wishing Tree, which comes out on all VOD platforms on December 7th. Make sure to check it out. It is inspired by true events and set against the lush background of Northern Ontario forestry. Thank you for listening to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. We'll see you again tomorrow.
1: This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element.
0: Element FM.